Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Email is Pete at ThePeteCallanerShow.com. Do not forget the the. And, oh, I forgot, 1-800-WBT-1110 for all you freeloaders out there. Um, and the, <laughs> the uh, Twitter handle is at Pete Calliner. Um, We got some breaking news. Apparently, there were late-night fanny calls in Atlanta. Donald Trump's attorneys in Fulton County have cell phone data for Nathan Wade. This is the report I'm seeing from Techno Fog. And if you can't trust Techno Fog on this stuff, I'm not sure who you can trust on Twitter. Um, it's actually pretty legit. He's a lawyer. He does a sub stack. Um, and he's got some court filings here that he's published. The special prosecutor hired by Fannie Willis in Fulton County. Guy's name is Nathan Wade. And the timeline of when their relationship began has been central to the effort to get him and her kicked off the case. That's what we had the audio from last week. The hearing was all about, it's all about, it hinges on this timeline. Because the accusation is that Fannie Willis, the district attorney in Fulton County, hired her lover, right? Hired her boyfriend to be a special prosecutor. He had no experience in this line of work, especially a case as big and complex as this one is. Um, he had no experience, but he hires or she hires him. And then the money that he is paid by Fulton County, so taxpayer dollars, she then benefits from by going with him on trips. And their attempt to uh, refute this allegation of corruption is, and by the way, kind of sort of racketeering, uh, which is hilarious considering she uses the RICO laws to go after everybody, including Trump on this stuff. So their argument has been that, no, no, she did not directly benefit, and they didn't even start dating until after he was hired as the special prosecutor, which would be sometime around, uh, I think, 2022 or late 21, something like that. So the key here is the timeline and the direct benefit. So the way they tried to refute the direct benefit charge was to say that she keeps hordes of cash in her house or wherever she lays her head, quote unquote, because she had to move all around because of all the death threats. So she um, she says she's got this stash of cash, the cash stash, Everywhere she lays her head, but it ranges from you know five hundred dollars all all the way up to nine grand. And while talking about how she funds the cash stash, uh, 
she may have actually admitted to breaking campaign finance laws because she said she took money from one of her political campaigns and basically just cashed it out and then stuffed it under the mattress or in a safe someplace. I don't know. She didn't tell us where exactly she stores the money in her house. I don't know why. It's only a televised court hearing. But um, no, we don't know where it's at. We, we don't know where it went. Anyway, that might be a violation to take the money out in cash because you got to use it for campaign purposes or retired debt, that sort of thing. She also claims to have been using this, this cash stash to pay back her lover, her boyfriend, Nathan Wade, that she didn't tell anybody they were dating. Nobody knew, not even her family. Nobody knew that they were seeing each other because she's a, quote, private person, right? And she has no receipts for any of the cash. She cannot explain how she built it up. There's no records attached to the hoarding of the cash, and there are no records for the paying using the cash because she claims she paid him back for all the trips that they took that he paid for. And he says he originally paid for them on a company credit card at his law firm. But there's no record of him paying it back. So he may now be in trouble for filing false tax returns. Okay? Look, there is a reason that this looks like they're just kind of making up stuff in order to to throw people off the trail. There's a reason for it. It's because they're making up stuff and trying to throw people off the trail. Because it's quite obvious what they were doing, right? And now... Trump's attorneys apparently have got his cell phone data and the cell phone data, according to the court filing, shows at least 35 visits to Fannie Willis's condo before the alleged relationship started. 2,000 calls and 12,000 text messages between Wade and Willis in the year 2021. It's what you call fanny calls that time of that time of night. And then they, they've got they're tracking him because he his cell phone is pinging off of the towers. And so he was apparently in East Cobb and she was in Hapeville. That's a P, not a T. Hape. Hapeville or Hape Town or Hapeton or wherever it is. I think it's Hapeville. And. The conservative analysis, this is from the court document. Using the above-referenced modality revealed a minimum of 35 occasions where Mr. Wade's phone connected for an extended period to either one of those towers in closest proximity to the Dogwood address based upon associated data use, voice, calls, or text messages. The data reveals he is stationary and not in transit. A deeper analysis of the data would reveal additional details, such as where his travel began or ended. For purposes of my analysis, I determined that his residence is located in East Cobb and was able to review the records which demonstrate his phone pinging off the associated towers near his residence for consistent periods. Isolating all interactions. This includes voice calls and text messages between Wade and Willis. During the period of available records in 2021, the dates, timing, frequency, and duration of these interactions are included as part of the report, which revealed more than 2,000 voice calls. What are you doing? What are you doing? And just under 12,000 text messages. 
exchanged over an 11-month period. And then he did a heat map. No, it's, it's, it's for activity. Well, cellular activity. Okay. Highlights the interaction patterns which demonstrate a prevalence of calls made in the evening hours. Um, the following calls from Ms. Willis, 1130. The call continued. His phone. So here's an example. His phone's pinging on the East Cobb cell phone towers that are near his residence. Okay. And then his phone left the East Cobb area just after midnight. So the original ping is at 1130. Then it's on the move. And then within the geofence located at the Dogwood address at 1243. And the phone remained there until 4.55 a.m. And that's your fanny. All right. Hey, maybe you have heard by now DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to North Carolina. It's coming soon. On March 11th, to be exact, DraftKings is one of America's top-rated sports books with same-game parlays, money lines, and props. The best features like odds boost and live betting and social betting groups where you can share your bets with your friends in real time. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. And it all starts on March 11th. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and then place your bets on your favorite sports once it goes live. And again, it goes live on March 11th. And now here's the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 877-718-5543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Eligibility restrictions apply. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements. And see terms at draftkings.com slash sportsbook slash nc. Got an email here from Dennis who says it appears that these fanny calls bear a suspicious resemblance to the term booty calls. What's, I've never heard of the term. What is, that doesn't make any sense. I That's think he just made it up. Fanny, yeah. Fan, hmm, interesting. I'll have to Google that. Um, Newstalk 1110-993-WBT-704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Um, <laughs> the Biden administration... Going to bribe some more voters ahead of the election. Um, I love the way this is being billed as uh, the Biden administration forgiving student loans. Forgiving student loans. Um, Joe Biden did not loan the money. Okay? If you don't loan the money, you don't get to forgive it. If you've not been transgressed, you don't get to forgive because it's not yours to forgive, right? You were not harmed. More than a hundred, because there's somebody always pays the price for the forgiveness, right? But always, and not just financially in this case, but in all things, right? If, if uh, you know, I disobey mom and I play ball in the house and I bounce the basketball down the stairs and it breaks the vase or the lamp, you know, on the credenza there at the bottom of the staircase, and mom comes home and they realize the lamp or vase is broken. And um, even if I acknowledge I did it and I'm sorry, I tried to glue it back together, but it didn't work. And even if they forget, they may be mad, but then they're like, we forgive you. Okay. But somebody has to eat the cost of the lamp, the broken lamp. 
right? Somebody has to. Somebody pays the price. So who's paying the price here? It's not Joe Biden. No, it's taxpayers. Yeah. Did anybody ask you if you would like to forgive that loan? Nobody asked me. More than 150,000 borrowers who have been in repayment on their student loans for at least 10 years will have their debt canceled, according to the Biden administration. The 153,000 borrowers who will receive roughly $1.2 billion in debt relief are part of the first cohort of borrowers eligible for early debt forgiveness as part of the SAVE plan. Save, that's what you call it, save. Under the repayment plan, borrowers pay back their loans as a percentage of their income and have the remainder canceled after a certain number of years. Borrowers using the save plan who took out $12,000 in student loans or less are eligible for debt relief after 10 years of payments. You took out twelve grand or less and you have not been able to pay it off in a decade? In a decade. I need to see your budget. Like, for real. I need to see your budget. Originally, that benefit wasn't supposed to be available until July, but the Biden administration, knowing that it's up for re-election, it's got terrible numbers. No, I'm just kidding. But it's true. They have terrible numbers. So they're going to fast track it. Uh, They're going to start canceling the debt through that provision of the program this month. They, They can't wait. Right. Debt forgiveness can't wait until the summertime. No, no. They're going to have to start doing the cancellations earlier than expected because Joe Biden's numbers are so far underwater. They're going to need months and months and months of the forgiveness in order to buy enough support. The debt cancellation is part of the administration's, quote, unapologetic vote buying. No, I'm kidding. It says unapologetic commitment to vote buying. No, I'm kidding. It says unapologetic commitment to deliver as much relief as possible to as many borrowers as possible as quickly as possible. That, according to the Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, that is the same uh, gentleman that did not know Reagan's comment about I'm from the government and I'm here to help was a was a mocking warning. Right not some sort of optimistic promise. Anyway, Wednesday's announcement comes amid other efforts from the Biden administration to push its student loan agenda forward after the Supreme Court knocked down its plan to cancel up to $20,000 in student debt for a large group of borrowers last year. So just to be clear, not a threat to our democracy, right? Ignoring, finding ways around the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that said you can't do this they're going to go ahead and do it anyway. Um, not a threat to the democracy. That's just, uh, that's just uh, you know, for the people. That's just good government for the people. Student debt forgiveness was a key plank of Biden's 2020 campaign, but more than 40% of Gen Z swing state voters said in a December poll that they did not think Biden was doing enough to buy their votes. Uh, the president plans to speak about the debt relief Uh, or he did, I guess this was from the other day, the Department of Education will also be uh, reaching out to borrowers who could be eligible for early student loan forgiveness. (sighs) 
man, I like just like everything else in today's day and age. The you know, thanks Joe Biden for the inflation. I mean, I remember when buying votes was way cheaper than this. The votes have gotten to be very, very expensive nowadays. Back in my day, you could buy votes for a pack of cigarettes, you know, or or a little bottle of alcohol or something. Now you gotta you gotta forgive ten thousand dollars in student loans. Oh my gosh, I mean, it's just a dollar didn't get you much anymore. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? All righty. Do you have the coolest dog in Charlotte? Only one way to find out. Enter your dog into the coolest dog of Charlotte contest. Go to charlotte-kiwanis.org. You can also do a Google search for coolest dog Charlotte, and it'll pop up there too. Um, so here's how it works. You uh, you pay 10 bucks to nominate your dog for the coolest dog, and then get your friends and, uh, I mean, even strangers, but get as many people to vote for your dog as possible. And you basically buy the votes. It's a dollar for each vote during the contest. Now, all the, the money... It's it's all going for a good cause. It's to teach kids to read. Okay, uh, that Kiwanis did this last year, raising over twenty thousand dollars for uh, local child literacy programs. So they're hoping to raise thirty five thousand this year. Okay, so if you have a dog and you think your dog is cool, I mean, look, if you don't think your dog is cool, then uh, I'm not talking to you. Okay, uh, but if you think your dog is cool, then this is the way to get their uh, their cute little mug on a beer. I bet you thought I was going to say mug. No. It's on a beer. It'll be on a beer can by Suffolk Punch Brewery. They're going to run special labels for uh, whatever dog gets the most votes, the top votainer, if you will. And then the the dog that comes in second, they'll be on the back. And then the other uh, top 10 finishers, the other top 10 votainers, they will be, uh, they'll have little pictures kind of around uh, around the can. That's going to be pretty cool. You get your dog's picture on a can. Right, go to charlotte-kiwanis.org. All righty, so the North Carolina Supreme Court uh, could be deciding in the coming months whether to, well, it will be deciding probably, whether to strike the most recent decisions about court-ordered education funding in the state. So this is the Leandro case. Have you heard of this? L-E-A-N-D-R-O. Or Leandro, if you prefer. Um, Leandro, this case has been going on for 30 years in North Carolina. It started when some families sued because their school district was not providing what was later dubbed to be a sound basic education. And uh, the, 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 the courts in the state, as the, uh, the case made its way through, 
uh, the courts found that there is a constitutional right to an education provided by the state. Okay. Now, the judge that oversaw most of the, uh, the case, Judge Howard Manning, he said years ago, this is not a funding issue. This is not just about more funding. He made that very clear in, in multiple remarks from the bench and in interviews, in his opinions and stuff. He was a Republican, by the way. Well, he had to retire off the case. I think he had some health issues, and he's, you know, he's getting up there in years, so he retires off the case. Governor Cooper appoints a fella out of Union County, a judge out of Union County, who then drops the hammer and says, you got to spend $5 billion on education. And he came, he come up with the number, came up with the number from a consultant's report that the consultant was hired by the parties involved. They came out of California. And by the way, the legislature, I should point out, that actually is constitutionally charged with funding education, they are not parties to the lawsuit. Okay? The lawsuit was filed against school boards, was filed against uh, the executive branch, the Department of Public Instruction, the school board, right? And over the years, uh, counties and uh, individual plaintiffs have come and gone. I think at one point, Charlotte Mecklenburg schools may have been both a defendant and a plaintiff. I, I, I don't, yeah, I like it's been such a mess for the last 30 years. And then right before the November election, where the, uh, the Democrats were about to get tossed out of their majority on the state Supreme Court, which did happen in the last election cycle. Uh, but right before that, they did a ruling. And they, they just like they, you know, they they did uh, uh, rush rulings ahead of the election that they wanted to, you know, they they would just basically accelerate. They would fast track these court cases so that the the five four Democrat majority could impose its legislative will on the population before the election, where they got booted, knowing that they were going to get booted. So they went down and they grabbed a bunch of cases. They issued their left-wing rulings, their uh, you know judicial activism. And then they were like, oh, I mean, we may have lost our majority on the Supreme Court, but at least we got this stuff done. Ha-ha. They did not realize, though, that the Republicans know a thing or two as well. And they said, actually, we can go back and reassess these rulings if it's within a certain time frame. And guess what we're going we're, we're to do? Yeah, we're going to reassess these rulings. And so they did that. And they've overturned several of those earlier rulings that Democrats did. This now is one of the cases where they're coming back to review. All seven justices spent almost an hour and a half listening to and questioning lawyers, this was yesterday, on the Leandro earlier ruling that called for the court order that there be $677 million in additional state funding. That order is tied to a multi-year court-endorsed comprehensive remedial plan that eventually could lead to $5 billion or more in new spending. State lawmakers are challenging that spending order. They say that the trial judge lacked the, quote, subject matter jurisdiction to call for new statewide spending. It's one of a series of orders that lawmakers are asking the Supreme Court to throw out. The lawyer for... Senate Leader Phil Berger and House Speaker Tim Moore, a fellow by the name of uh, Matthew Tilley, 
He argued that, quote, this is not a contest between those who want to fund education and those who do not. Instead, the case is about whether the trial court, when presented with only district-specific claims, this is the Hoke School District, Hoke County, their specific claims, did the trial court that heard their specific claims have jurisdiction to issue a statewide order that requires this larger comprehensive remedial plan which dictates virtually every aspect of education policy and funding, not just for the district that was the plaintiff, but for every one of the 115 school districts across the state, which effectively removes those decisions from the political process as well as the democratic process. That's their argument from the state legislature. The plaintiffs, Melanie Dubis, 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 she's the attorney for them uh, for Hope County and four other counties, said, at best, this reveals a fundamental misunderstanding of the history and present reality of this litigation. At worst, they suggest a desire for further obfuscation and recalcitrance in lieu of remedying the decades-old constitutional violation they seek to drag the court into their gamesmanship. So... What is happening now is very much like what happened during the election in 2020, where, where you had the collusive settlement between the, the plaintiffs that were of the left and the State Board of Elections and the Attorney General's office also of the left, right? They, they said, hey, you're suing us and you want all these things and the legislature is not part of the lawsuit, so we'll go ahead and enter into a, a settlement with you where we agree with everything you demand, which, by the way, politically we agree with also. And then the legislature, controlled by Republicans, has to step in and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Not your lane, executive branch. And in this case, it's not your lane, judicial branch, or not your lane, school district. Single school district, not statewide. All righty. Do you have the coolest dog in Charlotte? Only one way to find out. Enter your dog into the coolest dog of Charlotte contest. Go to charlotte-kiwanis.org. You can also do a Google search for Coolest Dog Charlotte, and it'll pop up there, too. Um, so here's how it works. You uh, you pay 10 bucks to nominate your dog for the coolest dog, and then get your friends and, uh, I mean, even strangers, but get as many people to vote for your dog as possible, and you basically buy the votes. It's a dollar for each vote during the contest. Now, all the, the money... It's, it's all going for a good cause. It's to teach kids to read, okay? Uh, that Kiwanis did this last year, raising over $20,000 for uh, local child literacy programs. So they're hoping to raise 35000 this year, okay? So if you have a dog and you think your dog is cool, I mean, look, if you don't think your dog is cool, then uh, I'm not talking to you, okay? Uh, but if you think your dog is cool, then this is the way to get their, uh, their cute little mug on a beer. I bet you thought I was going to say mug. No. It's on a beer. It'll be on a beer can by Suffolk Punch Brewery. They're going to run special labels for uh, whatever dog gets the most votes, the top votainer, if you will. And then the the dog that comes in second, they'll be on the back. And then the other uh, top 10 finishers, the other top 10 votainers, they will be, uh, they'll have little pictures kind of around uh, around the can. That's going to be pretty cool. You get your dog's picture on a can. Right, go to charlotte-kiwanis.org. All righty, so the North Carolina Supreme Court 
uh, could be deciding in the coming months whether to, well, it will be deciding probably, whether to strike the most recent decisions about court-ordered education funding in the state. So this is the Leandro case. Have you heard of this? L-E-A-N-D-R-O, or Leandro, if you prefer. Um, Leandro, this case has been going on for 30 years in North Carolina. It started when some families sued because their school district was not providing what was later dubbed to be a sound basic education. And uh, the, 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 the courts in the state, as the, uh, the case made its way through, uh, the courts found that there is a constitutional right to an education provided by the state. Okay, Now, the judge that oversaw most of the, uh, the case, Judge Howard Manning, he said years ago, this is not a funding issue. This is not just about more funding. He made that very clear in, in multiple remarks from the bench and in interviews, in his opinions and stuff. He's a Republican, by the way. Well, he had to retire off the case. I think he had some health issues and he's, you know, he's getting up there in years, so he retires off the case. Governor Cooper appoints a fella out of Union County, a judge out of Union County, who then drops the hammer and says, you got to spend $5 billion on education. And he came, he come up with the number, came up with the number from a consultant's report that the consultant was hired by the parties involved. They came out of California. And by the way, the legislature, I should point out that actually is constitutionally charged with funding education. They are not parties to the lawsuit. Okay. The lawsuit was filed against school boards, was filed against, uh, the executive branch, the Department of Public Instruction, the school board, right? And over the years, uh, counties and uh, individual plaintiffs have come and gone. I-, I think at one point, Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools may have been both a defendant and a plaintiff. I, I-, I don't, yeah, I- like it's been such a mess for the last 30 years. And then, right before the November election, where the, uh, the Democrats were about to get tossed out of their majority on the state Supreme Court, which did happen in the last election cycle. Uh, but right before that, they did a ruling. And they, they just like they, you know, they, they did uh, uh, rush rulings ahead of the election that they wanted to, you know, they, they would just basically accelerate. They would fast track these court cases so that the, the five, four Democrat majority could impose its legislative will on the population before the election where they got booted, knowing that they were going to get booted. So they went down and they grabbed a bunch of cases. They issued their left-wing rulings, their uh, you know judicial activism, and then they were like, oh, I mean, we may have lost our majority on the Supreme Court, but at least we got this stuff done. Ha-ha. They did not realize, though, that the Republicans know a thing or two as well, and they said, actually... We can go back and reassess these rulings if it's within a certain time frame. And guess what we're going to get? We're, we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to reassess these rulings. And so they did that. And they've overturned several of those earlier rulings that Democrats did. This now is one of the cases where they're coming back to review. All seven justices spent almost an uh, hour and a half 
listening to and questioning lawyers. This was yesterday on the Leandro earlier ruling that called for the court order that there be $677 million in additional state funding. That order is tied to a multi-year court-endorsed comprehensive remedial plan that eventually could lead to $5 billion or more in new spending. State lawmakers are challenging that spending order. They say that the trial judge lacked the, quote, subject matter jurisdiction to call for new statewide spending. It's one of a series of orders that lawmakers are asking the Supreme Court to throw out. The lawyer for Senate Leader Phil Berger and House Speaker Tim Moore, the fellow by the name of uh, Matthew Tilley, he argued that, quote, this is not a contest between those who want to fund education and those who do not. Instead, the case is about whether the trial court, when presented with only district-specific claims, this is the Hoke School District, Hoke County, their specific claims, did the trial court that heard their specific claims have jurisdiction to issue a statewide order that requires this larger comprehensive remedial plan, which dictates virtually every aspect of education policy and funding, not just for the district that was the plaintiff, but for every one of the 115 school districts across the state which effectively removes those decisions from the political process as well as the democratic process. That's their argument from the state legislature. The plaintiffs, Melanie Dubis, 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 she's the attorney for them uh, for Hope County and four other counties, said, at best, this reveals a fundamental misunderstanding of the history and present reality of this litigation. At worst, they suggest a desire for further obfuscation and recalcitrance in lieu of remedying the decades-old constitutional violation they seek to drag the court into their gamesmanship. So what is happening now is very much like what happened during the election in 2020, where where you had the collusive settlement between the, the plaintiffs that were of the left and the State Board of Elections and the Attorney General's Office also of the left, right? They they said, hey, you're suing us, and you want all these things, and the legislature is not part of the lawsuit, so we'll go ahead and enter into a, a settlement with you where we agree with everything you demand, which, by the way, politically, we agree with also. And then the legislature, controlled by Republicans, has to step in and say, whoa, 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 not your lane, executive branch. And in this case, it's, not your lane judicial branch or not your lane school district, single school district, not statewide. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I could not do the show without your support and the support of the businesses that advertise on the podcast. So if you'd like, please support them too and tell them you heard it here. You can also become a patron at my Patreon page or go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Again, thank you so much for listening and uh, don't break anything while I'm gone.